0: Welcome to Talks, a podcast dedicated to the latest trends from the world of RegTech, FinTech and financial regulations. My name is Klaus Christensen and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning RegTech provider Know Your Customer. Today, it's my great pleasure to welcome Oli Platt as my guest. Oli is a data-driven product manager with a background in data science. Currently, he's leading Naya One's marketplace, where he collaborates with high-quality fintechs and works with leading financial institutions to support their innovation journey through Naya One's digital transformation platform. Oli,
1: thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Klaus. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it.
0: Great. To get started, can you give us an overview of Naya One's overall mission and how you have set out to
1: achieve it? Uh, for those who kind of haven't heard of no one before, in essence, uh, what we are is we're a digital transformation platform, typically helping out large financial organizations, I think large banks, insurers, asset managers. And what we're doing there is really helping them evaluate fintech, insurtech, regtech better, really bringing that ecosystem together. So the way we end up do this and the way we end up achieving this goal is ultimately the first thing we have is these secure environments in which the banks can actually start to test and start to, to play in effectively so that they can say, oh, I've got a big KYB problem, but I don't know who the best provider is to help me out. And I want to start testing and I don't want to go through procurement to find out who's going to integrate with my existing system. So in that circumstance, we provide kind of secure environments in which they can leverage that alongside kind of the marketplace, which is where I spend a lot of my time working with tech providers who, who go in there.
0: When I looked at your website first, um, I picked up on the term embedded finance, that's big there, and fintech. As insiders, we we tend to use these terms a lot, but uh, we've also seen shifts in the meaning of the terms. For example, I would have called our own company financial technology or fintech in 2016 or 17 before the term regtech was coined. And fintech actually went on a bit to mean something else. How would you define that? fintech in the moment in in your world and and maybe embedded finance?
1: When I say fintech, I probably really mean technology, reg tech, insure tech, all of the types of tech that ultimately a bank may use. So Mm -hmm. if you think about generative AI, which has to come up at some point, right, in the current conversation, even some of those I would probably, Demi, refer to as fintech in some circumstances when they're working with financial services.
0: First thing that came to my mind when, when I think about what you do is there must be gaps between what? your customers think and what do you think. So in your experience, what are some of the biggest gaps between the expectations of banks and financial institutions and what fintech and regtech providers
1: are able actually to provide? I would say that the expectation difference almost changes depending on who's approached who. Being in the world of fintech and regtech, obviously we know that you're often going into banks or financial institutions and, and trying to sell. Now, when it's that way round, I think there's this common expectation mismatch, particularly in a, in a world kind of pre-us, which is almost like the salesperson known for maybe overselling slightly, and then the bank not quite getting necessarily what they're after. So on that side, it's almost like, I'm not going to say that anyone's at fault. It, it's kind of somewhat the nature of the game, but fintech is maybe over-promising slightly and under-delivering. Now, I would almost say that this kind of blips. On its head, when it's actually the banks approaching the fintech, me as a bank, I have a problem that I want to solve in digital onboarding. I'm, I'll, I'll keep referring to this kind of an easy one where we can all kind of uh, understand. Yeah. But when, I, when they do that, then the mismatch is then actually the bank isn't adventurous enough or like excitable enough. They'll come in and go, oh, do you solve this very, very narrow set of KPIs? This is my exact problem. Do you solve it? then almost the failure to do is understand that actually often when you're working with a new innovative fintech, they're a little bit more of a partner at some degree where they probably have capabilities you haven't considered. And trying to take those outside of the small business unit that you're serving and seeing how they help other arms of the business becomes really interesting as well. So on one side, it's possibly when a fintech's selling slightly too hard that the expectation is understanding where the tech maybe isn't quite at its full end state yet. And on the other side, it's going actually, where has the FinTech grown in ways you wouldn't expect it to? And all kind of coming down to how is the tech set up, I guess?
0: We, we see both actually in, in our own case. Customers might shoot too low and just want a very narrow problem solved that doesn't actually move much. But we also see the other side where expectations are incredibly high. Can you not just solve this whole big thorny issue with all its little effects in it? But I think this is normal in, in a fast developing industry like ours. The gaps between expectations... And what we can actually deliver would widen at this stage a bit when the fantasy of the users runs ahead of what tech can actually do until everybody gains a, a deeper understanding. Or yeah. well, maybe until technology catches up with the imaginations. That is where we can plug in generative AI immediately. I would say ChatGPT just closed a gap of half a century between sci-fi movies in the 60s, how you would interact with technologies there, and today, where you can actually do just that,
1: you're definitely right in that. It, and in some ways, it's awesome, right, to see tech jumping this far. Then on on the other hand, it almost does a damage to the service you're talking about. In that, if banks are viewing your stuff and going, "Oh, can you can you not solve all of my problems in one fell <laughs> swoop?" Well, then, well then, something like ChatGPT possibly hasn't helped it because of the vast capabilities of something like large language models have. Yeah.
0: Well, from, from the sci fi work, let's go back to Earth a bit. We both work essentially on digital transformations in the financial industry. And a lot of times these work in phases, starting, for example, with a proof of concept. And not all the time these are successful. What do you see as the most common reasons why fintech and digital transformation, POC, tend to fail?
1: Pre-Nair One World, which I've, I've seen a bit of, and also the, the kind of post-Nair One World. Now, maybe I'll get into a a little bit of, uh, about both of them, because I think it's quite interesting to see why companies succeed and don't succeed on both sides of that world map. On the pre-NEO1 world, really some of the typical reasons why we see them not necessarily working so well are kind of things around the idea of people weren't really sure what they were assessing. They wanted to look at some tech. They vaguely knew the area it was in, but they really agreeing that these were success metrics just isn't necessarily always done the best. But then there's also kind of starting to be the inability to showcase tech out in its best way and actually bring in all the stakeholders within the banks. There's so many different parties who need to kind of say, yes, this is a great idea from procurement security teams through to the the people who are actually going to be using the tech through to potentially in some circumstances, even customers on the other side. You've got all of these different stakeholders and actually getting them all to agree that this is a great idea can be really tough. And Bringing them all to the table and showing them all how great it is can be really tough. Now, when we flip that and go, okay, so in a world where we actually work a lot, when, once we've kind of moved into this place, it's one really common request we have from financial customers is, we've been speaking to such and such, they're not in your marketplace yet. Could you bring them on for us? And our answer is always, absolutely. Like, that doesn't take us very long. That's a couple of days of work. No issue. What then typically happens is we turn around to the, the fintech and go, guys, this big bank you've been talking to for the last two months is really excited to test you. Congratulations. And, we're going to make that happen at the start of next week. And then what often happens is the fintech goes, oh, I thought this was going to be another four or five months. I'm not yet ready. Proof of concepts go really, really successfully for tech that is ready. And for those who maybe aren't quite yet at that point, it tails away really hard. But it leads to this cool scenario where like companies like yourselves were on the marketplace. But like I personally, and I hope that you and others see it in a similar way, almost see it as somewhat of a badge of a job well done and tech being ready. Because we know that if the tech is on that marketplace, like the tech is ready to go, there is no Mm. question of, could you make this happen? The answer is ultimately, yes, those tech are ready.
0: I see a great value in that, actually. A lot of our our clients would have their doubts about all the different vendors out there. What stage are they? Yes, they are innovative, they're new, they have great ideas, but are they ready? Can we contract with them right away and, and do stuff? And will they be there, that trust factor? And uh, having an independent party like yourselves in there, in the mix, as as a sign of confidence, yes, they are here, you can immediately trial them. This is not a concept that is actually indeed value for our common clients. In what areas of financial services are you currently seeing the most interesting and transformative fintech and tech applications? Is it B2B payments, is SME lending, abandoned finance? Where is stuff happening at the moment?
1: we sit in this really cool spot where we see the weird, wonderful, and all of these awesome ideas start to kind of take fruition. But if we have to really start to narrow it down as to what's exciting right now for a lot of our customers, anything that engages customers, both SMBs or retail customers, and really brings them through that front door and gets them on board Mm. uh, and keeps them engaged and keeps them going and ultimately drives them to use the bank more. So loans, how can we turn our existing customer base into more revenue how can we improve that uh, the pnl is really where we're, we're seeing the excitement so anything on that side is super exciting but i'd probably also be reminisce not to mention the other particularly interesting thing we're seeing a lot of right now is gai just spread across the bank so if we go back to even the, the customer engagement piece obviously the nature of gai is they hallucinate they do slightly weird things and financial institutions aren't 100% sure necessarily how much they can use them, where where their risk appetite lies, how do they view those types of models? Now, we see that a lot within inside of our environments we provide, because actually it gives these financial institutions a way to go, okay, if we wanted to create a chat bot to enable onboarding, let's have a look what that would look like. How much work would it be? Are there models out there? Are there companies out there that we could leverage? Could we build our own? But all ultimately without risking anything on the bank side. So it's an awesome question that I could spend hours and hours mm-hmm. going on, but As a summary, it would be anything that ultimately gains and retains customers. You've spent all that hard marketing money to get, and then GAI just across anything you can think of, because it seems to really be able to move the lever. Yeah, the whole generative AI discussion
0: is so universal now. We've all tried it. We all have open AI accounts, and in a couple of months, we'll all have Microsoft Copilot. So it's it's so visible at the moment. At the same time, that also means that customer expectations are, in that area, are furthest from what you can actually do safely in the financial space. We've been actually been very careful not to talk too much about our own AI usage. Now, generative AI is a thing there, but we've used general AI models in our software for a long time. We've always kept that very, very controlled. It's very specific jobs that are done, not, well, can I just replace my head of compliance with an AI model and let them onboard the customer? No, you cannot. That's not how it works. But can you let the AI decide very specific parts of the journey? Yes, there. there is a huge potential there. And can you have a more human model of communication? With the machines, yeah.
1: And are you seeing a bit of a shift to what you can talk about now? Are you finding that you can talk about AI more or are you still kind of careful with how you, you use the term, particularly in the, the reg tech space, I guess?
0: We haven't actually made a big switch, but yes, I personally believe that we can now because it's so universal now. If you think about what are the key drivers for banks and financial institutions looking to provide better customer experience, because customer experience is like what, digital transformation really centers around. What drives this? Is it the fear of being left behind by the more digital-minded new players, or is it a different reason?
1: It exactly comes down to that, right? So when you think of um, in, in the UK, you've got your, your neobanks in the US, you've got even the likes of Apple who are starting to play in these spaces. They're all going after typically younger-ish people who have decent likelihoods of opening new bank accounts, have a needs to open new bank accounts or, or going after S&Bs, those individuals and in those businesses are used to be able to do things quickly. So I think for me, where the, the fear almost comes, or I think fear is maybe the wrong word, but like the motivation to actually enable fast, seamless customer experience, quick onboarding comes from this idea that people are used to that. Not doing that is no longer an option. If you are going to be slow, well, then frankly, people are just going to go down the street. You're going to have spent all of this hard money to get people to click on, to download your app, to click on your website. The customer acquisition cost is a notable thing, right? And then to lose them at that point because you didn't have some features that others had or you were too slow to onboard just isn't really an option.
0: I very much agree. But here's the funny thing. I was actually a bit surprised about our own customers. Now, we're in the B2B space more than anything. We do business entity customer onboarding. Not so much IDV, but in my estimates, only about half come to us for better customer experience. The others want a better process or risk reduction in compliance. I guess in the end, B2B situations, customer experience is just a bit behind the curve of BDC. And uh, I don't think that's quite right. Because... Businesses are made up out of individuals. And as individuals, we want the same smooth digital experience as in our B2C dealings. When we use personal fintech apps, that should be the same in B2B. I think that's a big opportunity still there, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if you've tried recently, but let's say you take a large incumbent bank and you try to onboard as a, a bank. It's a, not a straightforward process. And that's assuming that you are probably from the same country for the bank account that you're applying yeah. or for a business that's set up in that country. The second you start to add any level of complexity to that, suddenly that becomes incredibly hard, right? And there's good reasons to keep your risk down to make sure you're doing things right. But ultimately the key goal is keep the risk low, if not anything, decrease the risk while increasing your speed. And it isn't yet. That is that is exactly our point here. We have a year ago, I'd
0: say we have onboarded with a UK bank. It is a UK bank where we already have an account with their Irish subsidiary, and um, we onboarded a new company, yes, our UK subsidiary, actually, and there is a bit of complexity. We do have three levels of ownership in there. Uh, it's the corporate structures. We have other subsidiaries in Singapore, for example, and in Ireland. It took 182 days, literally six months of ping pong of documents by email and all of that. It was. Horrible process. Lots to do. We'll we'll get there. Earlier this year, I've, I heard you announced a partnership with the FCA in the UK with the objective of providing a permanent digital sandbox. That's huge. Congrats on that. Can you tell us a bit more about the project and how it contributes to innovation in the industry?
1: Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, the FCA in the, in this circumstance is doing a really quite an awesome job of trying to be this digital first very innovative very active regulator right so the fact that they're even at this level of thinking i think is quite astounding for a regulator uh, frankly but yeah just going back a, a step back to kind of what this means so ultimately with, with the fca the permanent digital sandbox is a place which goes well when companies start to exist or you've got early stage or growing companies one of the, the critical things they often need is either data or they need to be able to gain access to APIs of companies and they maybe don't know the best ones to leverage. So they maybe need a payment solution. They maybe need to offer IDV. You need to start to grab some of these tools that you probably wouldn't have access to for a few years into your, your growth without a tool like the FCA's uh, permanent Digital Sandbox, which actually allows you to get potentially real anonymized transaction data from banks. It will allow you to get synthetic data. It allows you to get data that these partners have provided to them. But really, it's the, the key here is just to allow the whole of the, the financial industry to innovate faster and help grow the UK as an innovation hub, as a digital transformation mecca, for lack of a better word.
0: Good job, actually. Yeah, we've all seen what the regulator's approach meant for the whole industry, as in the new term fintech as in challenger banks and and uh, so on. Uh, that is quite quite amazing what came out of the UK. And I think it, it's great for that market. You can now see um, some of those companies taking advantage in other regions and other markets like European markets and uh, continue to grow. Well done.
1: Particularly on the FCA, what's cool is they've not started to limit it, say, to neo banks or things like that. It's a very progressive thing, right? They don't necessarily quite know what the next big tech is. Obviously, right now it's generative AI and anything AI-related obviously is really exciting, but the next thing could be quantum. So part of this and the reason it's so influential and powerful to a regulator is they can now see, okay, fintechs are starting to create quantum-based solutions that are going to be probably with banks, not for another year or two years, but at that point they are going to be. And they've got this kind of jumpstart on the, the whole of the market going, okay, we've watched these companies grow over the last two years. We can now create policies very easily or very well informed that are going to protect the people we ultimately need to protect while also not hampering these companies we've been growing with. Quantum, by the way, as you might have seen,
0: LK99 doesn't seem to be a room temperature superconductor anymore. Very,
1: very sad about that. Yeah, it's incredibly sad, right? (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, Ollie, this this has been fun already, but uh, I have one more question. If tomorrow you woke up and somehow you had become the global financial regulator, what would be the first thing you'd do and
1: why? The obvious thing I would do is make sandboxes a regulatory requirement for all other regulators to have. But I'm going to accept that that maybe is a slightly biased answer in this one. So besides that, which I do think is a good idea, I think really what would be fantastic is it's not necessarily a full policy, but starting to enable different regulators within the same countries and different regulators across countries to talk slightly more effectively and create policies together slightly more effectively. And the reason for this cross-vertical international need of policies is becoming ever more apparent, right? With generative AI, we've we've talked on plenty of that already today. It hits so many different areas. It's really quite hard to understand who needs to police that, who has that responsibility. But there are other technology types that hit the same thing. You've got the quantum we briefly touched on. You've got the whole of the blockchain digital asset space, which, whilst may have gone quiet slightly at the moment in the big banking world, it's very real. And unless they can come across and unilaterally start to agree things, it's incredibly hard to police. So if I am a global regulator tomorrow and I have some say and have some ability to do it, I think starting to connect across those regulators, both within individual jurisdictions and across jurisdictions, is really right right
0: well ollie this has been fun thanks so much for all your contributions that was very interesting and i uh, hope to see you soon in person when i'm next in the uk
1: yeah looking forward to seeing you and thanks for having me on
0: thank you for listening to this episode of rec talks my name is klaus christensen and i'm the ceo and co-founder of award-winning rec tech provider know your customer if you liked the episode please subscribe to the whole series and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us, suggest a guest or a topic for an upcoming episode, please send us a message at info at knowyourcustomer.com or visit knowyourcustomer.com slash talks.